Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm I'm excited. I I uh, I love you guys. It's been so good getting to be here with so many friends and uh, seeing seeing so many of you guys. Oh, well, I haven't seen in eight or no, it's been uh, ten months or so. Someone like I mentioned last night. Someone I was just greeting people coming in, and someone said to me, "Hey, how's it been going up here at G-Hop? And I'm like. I don't know. I haven't been here since January, you know, and uh, they didn't notice, but <laughs> which is good, you know. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, it's good to it's good to be with so many of you guys who are our friends that we've prayed with so many times. We've prayed with and sought God together with and plowed, and we've. We've broken through, and we've gone to Zion, and we've experienced God's glory on our lives. And it's it's just been uh, it was a great ten years. And I knew I knew at the beginning of the year before that the Lord was changing me, and I talked to Gary about it, and, and uh, you know we kind of navigated how to do how to make that change so that you know no one would you know be hurt or upset. And I think we did a pretty good job. So that's why I'm back today. You know. I don't know if I'll be back anytime soon after this, but uh, I just say that humorously. I know everyone loves. I know everyone loves me here. At, uh, thank you. Okay, you're gonna need a lot of love now. <clears throat> no, last night. Remember what I preached about the scroll and eating the scroll, and I really believe that the prophetic. Anyone who calls himself a prophet or or prophetic, there's two. There's the gift of prophecy. Which is when people are getting they get visions or they get words of knowledge or words of wisdom for people or gifts of healing and things like that. That's the gift of prophecy. But there's also the the office of uh, prophet. And if anyone wants to be called a prophet, and I I would never say that about myself, but I would think that in the last days here on earth, looking around the earth, seeing what it looks like, they would. They would be eating the scroll, like I talked about last night. That that would be a major part of what they're doing with their life, because it's really like the book of Acts in advance for us, you know, in, for the end days. And somebody has to has, has to not use this. someone has to be able to say, "Hey, that way, this is what's going on." <clears throat> so I want to just take a uh, a little uh, look. At, uh, I want to just, you can open your Bibles to Revelation 4 and 5 and, and uh, in Revelation. I love Revelation. Some people just don't like it. Some people don't like it and some people like can't get out of it. Uh, Pastor Gary Benjamin at Gateway Church says, some people just can't get out of that book, Tom. You're just stuck in there. I can't help it. I'm, I mean, I'm really, I... I've studied Song of Songs of the Father, Heart of God. I preached on all those things in here while I was here. The Father's Heart, I mean, that's a huge message to me, uh, intimacy. and <clears throat> But this is, this God, God keeps pulling me back here. And uh, <clears throat> as uh, President Trump was elected, uh, was that two years ago, three, three years ago now? Wow. And just the reaction in the media, and uh, there was such a firestorm about it, and the way it came out 
about, and I don't, I don't care which, it doesn't matter to me which side of the fence you're on politically. It really doesn't. I don't care if you're a Democrat. You're, I'm, I'm talking about right and wrong. And just the, 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 the lies and the constant bombardment that's uh, come against these guys and like in this country, which has been the banner, the, the, uh, the banner, the standard for truth, righteousness, you know, justice, the American way, freedom, you know, we've, that's who we've been recognized as among the nations. All of a sudden, like, those things don't matter at all anymore. And as I watch these politicians and news guys do this, I went into this meditation. I was telling Marvin about it, and I just, <clears throat> it was like, wow, these guys have drunk, drunk in the blood. The maddening wine of her adultery. That's what it talks about, the great process. They've drunk in the maddening, well, these guys are, they've got, we've gone mad. Mad. And we're, we're so, you know, we're so secure because our economy is good, and we have jobs, and we're making money. That that's such a value to us as Americans that we'll accept some madness and craziness and we'll accept all that because hey, I got a nice place to live, I got a nice car to drive, I got I can pay for my gas. No one stops me every block I go and checks my ID and does all that stuff. You know what I mean? So because of that we 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 don't like it but we kinda get used to it. And now it's been going on non-stop and uh i mean this trump guy trump we'll just call him the trumpet uh we could call him samson because he's he's kind of like samson he's like a deliverer but he, he he's also had a problem with the philistine women let's admit it and he's always picking fights with the philistines i mean he's just all call, always starting fights and like speaking riddles and, and mixing them up and then starting fights. And he just, he loves, he loves that confrontation. And I, and uh, so it's really making it worse almost. You know what I mean? It's like they call him a name. He calls them a name. They, five of them, you know what I mean? It's back and forth. He kills 200 with the jaw of an ox. And, you know, then they come after him more. You know, it's just like never, it has not stopped since he's taken office in spirit in the spirit it's like as i watch the spirit in the spiritual realm i say man what a perfect environment for the man known as the antichrist to come on the scene because i'm telling you what he could he could fit in as a congressman a senator he could fit in as any kind of news reporter anchor man he could fit in anywhere in the president's cabinet he could fit in anywhere, anywhere in the United States, and we wouldn't even notice him. No one would notice him. He's not any different than anybody else. We think of the, you know, we think of the Antichrist as this guy with the big horns and the tail, and no, he would fit in today's political scene perfectly. He would even be a little bit, he would probably be a little bit, uh, he would definitely be smoother and he'd probably be less abrasive and he would just be, he would just be like laugh, you see what I mean? 
because the spirit of the Antichrist has been released and has been grooming us for hundreds of years to receive this man. And I and we are you know, it's not if we look at China and see what's going on there with their politic politics and the way they control and they're subverting Christians and in Russia and all over the world this is going on. But here in the United States where we've always had freedom and we've always had this truth and truth has meant something doesn't mean anything. It's not worth anything anymore in the political realm. It's not worth truth does not matter one bit. Am I am I exaggerating? Anyone I mean I'm talking it's a value to us but we see it's totally trampled on. And I just want to let's just go to Revelation 4 and 5 and just take a look because I want you to see I want you to see something. In Revelation 4 and 5 John's in a vision and he says uh I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice that I first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said come up here and I will show you what must take place after this and then he says that once I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper which is a just brilliantly sparkly jewel and carnelian which is kind of like ruby red it was like a fire he saw this sparkling fiery being on the throne surrounded by this emerald rainbow and surrounded by the 24 elders with their gold crowns and their robes and the lightning and thundering coming out from the throne and the <clears throat> the seven lamps blazing before the throne and the living creatures in the middle surrounding and they're singing and crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then the elders are falling down and giving thanks and praise to the One who sits on the throne and lives forever and ever. And they're declaring, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for You created all things. And by your will they were created. So we see this scene in heaven. It's beautiful. God's in the center of the scene. He's beautiful and radiant. He's holy. He's exalted above all else. And nothing compares with Him. And then in chapter 5, we see the, the Lamb come on the scene. And then He takes the scroll from the uh, one on the throne, the Father, and when he does, the living creatures and elders fall down and they begin to sing to him. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And then they go into this scene where millions upon millions of angels come and surround the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And they begin to sing. And there's this beautiful vision of heaven, beauty, truth, righteousness, Holiness, the highest order of anything we could ever imagine. Perfection of beauty is there. It's, it's totally, it's totally, he totally shows us what it looks like. And it's like, John is just like, wow, this is amazing. And he's seeing all this like no man has ever seen before. And then all of a sudden, it's, it switches in chapter 6. Everything changes. And he sees the Lamb 
taking the scroll and breaking the seals. And the scene shifts from heaven to earth. And we see this dark, dark planet full of murder and chaos and death. And heaven is this beautiful... See, we, we think our lives are normal. We think all the stuff around us is normal. You know, hey, I'm doing the best I can, you know. I'm trudging through, and we are, right? We're, we're going through, and we're singing, and we're praising God. And, we're, and we, are the, we are the only lights in this dark planet. We are the only light. When the, when the, light, when the, light, the eyes turn to the earth and sees this darkness, there's only one light on the earth. And it's you. You are the only light on the earth. And the darker things get, the brighter we can shine if we'll just embrace who we are in Him. And I, I'm not, a, you know, some people th- say, well, Tom, you're intense or you have a bad attitude. I've been told I'm, I'm negative. I'm not negative. This is just the reality of the way it is. Heaven is beautiful and glorious and amazing. And it's like, well, we can go, well, we're stuck here. What are we going to do about it? Well, you're a light. And you guys are shining lamps on the earth. And when you look at chapter 6, the only light shining, the only sign in the whole chapter of, of believers are these martyrs under the throne. They're martyrs. Because the darkness does not like the light. And the darkness wants to snuff out the light and is looking for every chance to snuff it out. And there are some countries where they can do it legally. And here it's still illegal. And I've told you guys this story before about this uh, documentary I saw about this woman. Well, she was a girl in like the late 1930s living in Germany. And her mother got a fake passport for her. She was Jewish and sent her to Austria where she lived with some kind of relatives. And she winds up marrying a officer in the German army. A Gestapo guy was a captain. Here she is, a Jewish girl married to a captain in the Gestapo during World War II. And she watches this whole thing unfold. And the just the murder of all the Jews, and the and the just the Germans were happy to do it. They were happy to do it. They were so filled with hatred, and that's the way it's getting in this country right now. There's such a hatred growing in the hearts of of the wicked that when the time comes, they will turn on. They will turn on the light. And try to put it out. And what this woman said in this documentary was, they always hated the Jews. But when they got legal permission to kill them, they were like thrilled to do it. And so we are the light of the earth, but things are, go- things are growing darker. Do you think it's going to get better if Trump gets reelected? If a Democrat gets reelected, I mean, what if, see, we're looking at politics too much. 
we're looking at that, and what we have to do is we have to just be looking at the Lord and looking at the kingdom of God. We have to start, hey, this is a problem for me. I have this, like, global vision. I'm looking all over the earth, you know, for light, and I'm like, wow, God, where's the light? Where's the light in the Philippines? Where's the light in Indonesia? I want to see where the light is. And I'm like, wow, you know, there's pockets of it all over. Salt, we're the salt of the earth, right? Anyway, I just, I won't, let me finish with this. Because we've been singing this song. So you guys, you guys understand that we're, we're, we're going through a dark time. We will be victorious if we hold on to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I told you last night, the testimony of Jesus is the word that Jesus gave the night he was betrayed and stood before the chief priest. He gave a legal testimony when they asked him, are you the Messiah? And he said, I am, and you will see me coming with my Father on the clouds of heaven. And when he said that, they tore their robes and condemned him. That was, that was we've heard enough. That's it, blasphemy. Okay? The testimony we hold on to is that Jesus said he's coming back the same way on the clouds of heaven. We're holding on to that testimony and the Word of God because so many people are walking away from the Word of God right now. So many people, preachers, teachers, all kind, they're they're internet celebrities and they're not, you know, they claim to be believers and they're they're not. They're preaching another gospel. They're coming in His name saying, yeah, He's Jesus and they're deceiving many. And we have got to be wise as serpents right now. Okay? We have got to say, look, I'm going to, you've heard this a thousand times. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are people who love the word, right? Kids, you kids back there? Zachy, do you love the word of God? Yeah, all right. Every time Zachy, we go out to eat, Zachy says, can I pray, Grandpa? Amen, Zach. I love you, buddy. Uh, okay, so we've got to hold on to the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is we are believing he is coming back the same way he said he was. Okay? And I'm, I'm the song that Mar- I would just want to close with this. This is the song that Marvin's been singing all week because uh, we got like a word of knowledge during a prayer meeting. We were praying for a situation that there's these three partners in a business together, and one of them, one of them just went nuts last night. Pulled out, was mad at his wife. His wife went somewhere he didn't want her to, and he got stoned and shot up the house. And he's an illegal, you know. So you figure the cops would grab him and throw him. No, they didn't. He's also a believer, and they didn't. They took his gun away and they they let him go to a neighbor's house and cool off. Amazing, right? Well, now it's like, how do you put things back together? And we were praying for them before the meeting. And uh, Karen said, there's a fourth man in the fire. She started singing that. And there's a fourth man in the fire. And I just want to refer back to Daniel, where that came from, that the fourth man in the fire. Do you guys all know the story, right? That story with Nebuchadnezzar's, remember, Nebuchadnezzar was the king he was basically the king of the whole earth, of the known world. 
He was the superpower, one world leader. He's a type of the Antichrist. And he builds a statue, 90 foot statue of gold on the plains. And he, ha he, he has the whole kingdom, all the leaders, all the rulers, everyone from all over his kingdom had to come to this meeting, like a big worship meeting, like a big worship festival. And he had the musicians, the singers, the all that describes all the instruments. You guys know all the, can anyone remember all the instruments described in this? Debbie, do you know all the instruments? You're a musician. Marvin? No, you don't remember them. I'll just tell you all the instruments that were involved because, yeah, come on. He said, as soon as you hear, he gathers everyone to this meeting. The king does. And of course, he's got his arm. This is, this is enforced, but this is not like, this is not like we worship today because we want to. You came here because you wanted to worship. Right? Nobody was standing at the door with a gun saying, you better worship. Right? That wasn't like that. They all gathered and he said, look, you're all going to, when you hear the sound of this music, you're going to bow down, you're going to fall down and worship. And if you don't, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. So here's some of the music you're going to hear. I just, this is out of Daniel 3. This verse can hardly see those numbers anymore. I know I got bifocals down there, but they're not working that good. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, this this uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was quite the you know orchestra leader. You know, it's like all kinds of music. You're gonna, you're going to hear stuff you never heard before. You know, we brought everybody in here for this thing. He said, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, and whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into the blazing fire. So we know the story. In any way, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the only guys that stand up and resist. And I just kind of wonder where Daniel was. Does anybody know, Bruce? Uh, Bruce knows where he is. He's going to go get Daniel right now and bring him back here. Uh, sorry, Bruce. <laughs> you know I do that, right? All right. Uh, <laughs> anyone who leaves while I'm talking, I always point him out. I know that's a terrible habit. <laughs> anyway, so I don't know where Daniel was, but I think he was like at a prophet's convention with Ezekiel and a couple other guys on the other side of the river when this was happening. Unavailable for comment. Daniel wasn't there, apparently. But these three friends of his, they all stand up. They're like, can you imagine the whole nation falls down in the pressure to worship this statue? And the, the threat of being thrown alive into a fiery furnace, like right now. And the, everybody goes down. The peer pressure on these guys was incredible. They're all down. They're all like, hey. I could just imagine them sneering at these guys because, of course, it was just, they weren't doing it because they really worshipped. They were like, hey, he's down here too, man. They stand up and they're like, we're not going to bow down. We're not bowing down. You know what? We didn't eat the king's food. We never ate his food. We never drank his wine the whole time we've been here. We ain't about to bow down. 
They trained themselves. They prepared themselves for this eventuality. This was going to happen one way or another while they were in Babylon. It was something like this was going to happen, and they had prepared themselves. That's the purpose in eating the Word, eating the scroll now, preparing ourselves for the day when things like this happen to us, because they're going to happen. And this, I, I mean, the way things are progressing, whew, you know, meeting in buildings like this probably isn't going to be happening 10 years from now. I'll bet, I'll, I would bet if I was a better, if I was a gambler in Las Vegas, I would, I would give you odds is there would Christian, real Christians wouldn't be meeting here. They're going to be taken away by the government and used for all kinds of weird things. Okay, we're going to have to learn how to do this on our own in our homes. Okay? So anyway, furious with rage. Okay, I'm just closing out here, Marv. I'm sorry, I'm taking more time. Furious with rage. Verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Now remember, they were on the team that interpreted his dreams. They were on Daniel's team, man. These guys were on the inner squad. They were like, they were kind of on the inner circle, even. You know, he says, Is it true? that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up. So he says, now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, he's like, I'm going to give you another chance. When you hear the sound of all this music, I want you to bow down. And Chad Mac, Chad Mac. <clears throat> we'll just call him Chad Mac and Big Amigo. Uh, Anyway, they replied to the king. Can you see these guys? Like they got it all prepared. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. These guys are so diplomatic. You know, in America, what we would say. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say it. They said, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. You know, like real dramatic. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save. He's able to save us from it, and He will rescue us from your hand, O King, but even if He does not. They didn't have a word of knowledge that they'd get rescued. They didn't have some promise. Daniel didn't, didn't leave on his trip. And handy Daniel left town before this. I'm telling you, he was, maybe he was in the bathroom. I don't know where he was, but John Cottrell probably knows where he was hiding out because he was around back then, weren't you, John? <laughs> I love John. <laughs> All right, John, sorry about that. Uh, he says, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O King, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And he was furious. He turned the fire up hotter. He throws them in the furnace. And you know the story. They're in the furnace, but they're not burned up. Now, what if they were burned up? Hey, they'd be in that place in Revelation 4 and 5. Now they're stuck down here still. You understand? They're like, hey, 
We won't bow down. God's able to deliver us. But even if He doesn't, they're talking to the world ruler. And He throws them in the fire. And they're delivered. And again, God shows up to Nebuchadnezzar. You know, after a while, Nebuchadnezzar actually like surrendered to the Lord. He kept having these kind of things happen to him. <laughs> At the end, he's like, you know, he was an animal, like an animal for seven years. You know, I mean, he gave up, you know, because God broke him. But we have got to prepare ourselves. we got to prepare our children. When my, I'll just tell you this story. When my two sons, uh, Tommy and Alex, and I probably didn't do it as much with my daughters because they were such crybabies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding you, Deb. I'm kidding you. No, my daughters are tough. Uh, but we would play the Antichrist game. Now, we were new Christians. So, we, you know, we read this stuff and we would actually believe it. So we would, like, take their Bibles, throw it on the ground, say, okay, put your stuff on that Bible or we're going to cut your head off. And we trained them how to respond to, you know, threats and everything. When they were little guys, you know, it's like we want to be prepared to resist all the plans of the enemy. Am I right? You see what I mean? If we just think everything's going to get better, everything's going to get better, really, when the economy's better, everybody will back up, the president, everybody will be, no, 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 this thing is like, it's spiraling out of control right now. Okay? There's going to be, now in the midst of darkness, the light's going to shine And when there's great need like this, then there's great miracles like this. Jesus didn't, you know, fight. You don't multiply the loaves and the fish for 5,000 unless there's 5,000 really hungry people there who don't have another way to get food. The reason we don't see more medical miracles is because we have such good doctors and medicine here. We don't, we can live without it. But when somebody, when you know, someone's demon-possessed, there's only one way, there's only deliverance. When someone's, you know, needs to be raised from the dead, they get a miracle. Why? Because they have a great need. You see, what I, you see what I'm saying? For miracles to happen, there has to be great need. We have a great need before us, and we're going to see great miracles. And some of us... You know, we don't know how many of us will all... It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? One day you have a miracle, the next day you're with the Lord, right? It's this all temporary. Being with the Lord is forever. Amen? Okay, let me pray over you. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for that song, Lord. There's a fourth man in the fire with us. And we will come out of the fire without any smell of flames on us. We won't be burned. We won't, there be, won't be any smell of smoke on us, God. We, we, will, we will stand before our enemies. You have prepared, prepared a table in the wilderness for us. A table in the midst of our enemies when we're surrounded by 10,000, we will turn and gaze upon you and trust you to deliver us. We will call on your name. You're our refuge and our fortress. 
You are our deliverer. And Lord, we are the light. We are the ones you're looking to, to stand and to cry out in this hour. We're the ones that you're looking to, to open our mouths so you can feed us. We're the ones, God, you're looking to strengthen in this hour so we can do mighty exploits. God, we trust you in this hour that we are your end-time army. We really are, Lord. And when we see people falling, Lord, we will stand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. You're so good. So I'm going to take us a totally different direction. Because uh, when Karen was up here, well, she kept mentioning the word transition. Now, you're in transition. I have some transition going on in my life. Uh, G-Hop is in transition because of the leadership shift and what's coming uh, next. And I just felt like the Lord wanted me to close out today by just talking about transition a little bit. Is that good? And go on a journey from the Word and how to... Basically, this is it. So how we walk through and exit out of one season of transition will often determine our stability in the next. It'll determine our success, and it will even determine like supernatural flow in the next season. So I kind of feel the fear of the Lord here today that I would be uh, remiss. I would be irresponsible if I, I leave without uh, getting this into, again, I love Tom says we're I'm preaching to the choir, but really I'm preaching to these walls. I'm preaching to this atmosphere to get this word here. That would be like the good leaven that goes into the loaf and just spreads throughout this uh, prayer, uh, prayer movement. And I shared one of the things I shared last night. I believe that uh, the, this region is in a shift right now. I felt it flying when I, as I was flying in, and that there is a fresh season coming. There's a season of breakthrough. I feel like there's another wave of goodness coming on the prayer movement uh, for DFW, and I mean for the larger movement. And so I just want to talk about transition for a little bit, if that's okay. You know, God is the good Father, and He uh, delights in us so much. He allows transition in our lives in order to lock in this truth that he is for us and not against us. A lot of what we were singing in worship today. There are times when the Father will set you and I up with this incredible, you know, those mountaintop experiences. He'll give such a glorious word of affirmation, a prophetic word to us, and then it's immediately followed. I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but it's in the word. It's happened to me. It's immediately followed by like this season of upheaval or the storm, or delays of the word, or this tumultuous transition, or the season of testing. And you know, this actually happened with Jesus. And Jesus perfectly modeled for us how to walk through a storm, and how to walk through a transitional time in his own life. And he was set up for it in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, when John baptizes Jesus, this incredible mountaintop experience happens. It says, after his baptism as Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were open. That's not revival. I don't know what it is. Heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. What greater word of affirmation is there? The Father of glory, 
opens the heaven and this voice comes out, says, this one, Jesus, this is my dearly loved son. He brings me such incredible delight. This is the setup. This is the setup. He will bring these words of affirmation. And then so many times it's immediately tested through a season of tumult. Guys, having a right perspective about our identity is key to successfully walking through any transition season in your life. So I just feel this. Are you I feel like this message is for you, Karen, in this next season? And Tom, I feel like you're in a transition period as well. And I, I bet, wait, raise your hand if you feel like there's some kind of transition. A couple people already said that to me, that they're in. Oh, yeah, Vash, we were talking about that, Vash. So I think this is a real deal for us. So having a right perspective that God is for us will bring us through that transition period and uh, transitions are not easy. I have the saying, I, the Lord said this to me uh, when we were doing the Chicago house of prayer years ago. And he said this, he said, Marvin, every test is a test of love. Every test that he authors is a test of love. So God's acknowledgement, his affection, his affirmation for you becomes the anchor through every transitional period where life seems to be tough, things seem to be unraveling, things don't make sense. So remember, Matthew 3 is the setup, but we're going to go to Matthew 4 and just do a Bible study, uh, verses 1 through 12. So this is Jesus being led uh, by the Spirit into the wilderness. I'm just going to break this down. I see there are, there's a lesson in every sentence that will help you and I navigate. Every sentence is a mile marker to walk through uh, transition. So verse one, then Jesus was led by the spirit. Lesson number one, the Holy Spirit initiates this. If you start going through a transition and you think the devil is the author of it, when things get tough, it, it will end up being a shaky path for you. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is modeling for us in Matthew four how to walk out seasons of transition after coming off of this incredible mountaintop experience, I bring my dad great joy. He's bragging on a son. Now he's led by the spirit. The Holy Spirit initiates that lesson. Number one, next part into the wilderness. The Holy, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Lesson number two, the wilderness is necessary. I believe so much of what Tom is talking about with this in time scenario and what we see that dark planet he referred to is a picture of the wilderness. It's necessary. It's the schoolroom where you and I get our voice. The wilderness is the schoolroom where you and I get our voice and our identity as dearly loved sons and daughters get confirmed in us. So lesson number two, the wilderness is necessary. Don't fight it. You can't rebuke a wilderness that Jesus brought you into. I cast you out, spirit of wilderness. Jesus like, I am Holy Spirit. I brought you here for your good. This is school. You like, we have these day, I call them dangerous prayers, but they're so sweet. Oh, just teach me, Holy Spirit. Just lead me into all truth. He's like, bam, you're going to the wilderness. We're going to school. You're going to go to college. I'm going to teach you. Verse 2a, for 40 days and 40 nights. Lesson number three, the length of our transition period matters 
and has divine purpose. The length of our transition, it was 40 specific days. What I love about this, just a little side note, uh, 40 means a complete uh, a season is completed and transitions into something new. So 40, you know, is so, we see it over and over in Scripture. What I love, I saw, uh, I saw a study about a year and a half ago um, where it was a sociologist doing this study on habits, how we form habits. And so for years, everyone, like uh, sociologists and uh, physiologists were saying with brain development that it takes 30 days to, like, form a new habit. And uh, the more they studied that, they have totally debunked that. It's actually 40 days, which so backs up the Word of God. This 40 days to relearn, to go through a transitional period to get something recoded on the inside. Isn't that cool? So that's just a little free nugget. The length of our transition periods matter, and it has divine purpose. So he was there for 40 days, 40 nights. Says so he fasted and became very hungry. Lesson number four. Fasting is a weapon that can help us lock in our destiny and our identity. So I always tease I'm a much better feaster than I am a faster. But in transition, I've learned, I've wise up during transition, it, it is key to partner with Jesus to go into seasons. Again, by his Grace, you don't want to be religious about it, but you don't want to be so religious. You're, let me, let me just say it this way. A religious spirit goes both ways. You can be either super legalistic or you can be so sloppy, Grace, you, you, you do not obey. You don't have obedience. And so fasting is a beautiful weapon and tool to speed up the process of God locking in something for you in these seasons of how you're walking out transition. Okay, so four lessons so far. Number one, the Holy Spirit did this. Don't blame it on the devil. This is God. Number two, the wilderness is necessary. It's the schoolroom where you get your voice. Number three, the length of that transition actually matters. It's not by accident. Don't try to get out of it sooner than what you need to. Also, don't stay in a place, don't stay in transition longer than you ought to. Uh, number four, fasting is a weapon that will actually accelerate and push through and move through the lessons that the Lord wants to do you for the very reason that you are in uh, this uh, transitional period. Verse number three, during that time, the devil came and said to Jesus, if you are the son of God. Lesson number five, the devil is a liar. Do not listen to him. In seasons of transition, I cannot believe how much chatter, demonic chatter there is to get us off track, to get us to doubt the goodness of God. We could have had this incredible, and we see it in the, the life of Elijah, like he has this incredible, you know, victory, this incredible breakthrough. And then the chatter immediately, just hours later, the chatter of the enemy gets so loud, he's despairing for his life. So don't tell me this doesn't hit the praying, prophetic, intercessory community. The devil is a liar. He attacks during times of transition where we are most vulnerable. It's why when we have friends like Karen, I just thought it was interesting. Karen, both Tom and I have uh, plowed ground in Chicago in the prayer movement. I mean, we're 
we have an inheritance in Chicago, and now you are there, another prayer leader, that we just have this threefold cord. I just love it that you're there now just doing it. And so, But I feel the fear of the Lord to pray for Karen during this transition because the enemy would love to attack when she's vulnerable during this time where she's going from this is her assignment is changing, her geography and location. And so we want to pray for all of us who are in transition in this time that we would not listen to the voice of the stranger. Do not listen to the voice of the stranger. It's lesson number five. He says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Lesson number six, often the first test in times of uh, transition will be about money. It'll be about provision. It is funny that some of the first press when God tells you step out, do this, move to Israel, you know, come with me, come leap on mountains, come do this. And like you're in it two weeks and the money dries up. You're like, I have no idea how this is going to happen. He does it to Jesus. Jesus is fasting, so he would be hungry. And the very first temptation has to do with provision. Like, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Lesson number six, often the first test in transition will be the test of what I call provision. I love verse four. But Jesus told him, no. Lesson seven, sometimes you have to stand up Open your mouth and say a loud no. I dare you to do it with me right now on the count of three. One, two, three. No. We did that last night. Go away. <laughs> it was, man, if you missed it last night, you missed it. We had some fun in here. So, but Jesus told him no. Sometimes you have to stand up, open your mouth, and just say a loud no. Next lesson. The scripture says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Lesson number eight, during seasons of wilderness transition, use the word of God. Use the voice of your father as a weapon against the enemy and don't become religious with it. Become voice driven. Now, God spoke to me. God in in his word. This is who he says that I am. Use the word in an active present tense voice to uh, shut down the accusation of the enemy. Jesus, can you imagine God is there? God in the flesh, Jesus in the wilderness, and he is the word, and yet he's quoting the word to silence the adversary. Use the word of God as a weapon, especially in seasons of transition when the enemy's coming to lie. Like the money's dried up, you're going to be high and dry, it's not going to work, you missed God, all of those little doubts and accusation. Silence it, shut it down, and use the word of God. Verse 5, then the devil. Stop. Lesson number 9, the enemy is persistent and will not play fair. You pass test number one, you think, whew, that's over. Can we move on to glory now? Where's the revival? God, you promised all these dreams that are alive in my heart. But it says, then the devil, he does not play fair. He will not stop after you pass the first test. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point in the temple. Lesson number 10, in periods of transition, don't be surprised by a sudden change 
or when you're taken out of your comfort zone or your safe place. And he shifts you. So I'll say that again. So the first test is the test of provision. The second test is this change of geography where he can't get you where you're where you feel the security. So he will change locations and move you and show you something else and get you out of your comfort zone in order to stumble you in transition. So as he took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. So don't be shocked when the enemy does that. We have a warfare grid here. We have a warfare plan of how to walk out these seasons. Next part, it says, and the enemy said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Lesson number 11. Often the second major test is the protection test. So the first test is provision. Turn these loaves into bread like real, real hunger does things. When you have real financial needs, it does things. The second one, after he changes up the scene, he goes after protection. Like, is God really going to be there for you? Is he really going to take care of you in Africa? You're going to, in fact, guys, I'm actually facing this a little bit right now. I'm supposed to be in Haiti uh, in a week and a half. And every missionary has canceled their trip to Haiti because it is for a year has been in in a storm, in in a political tumult, and uh, is really dangerous. So I'm in this, I'm really in the boat right now asking the Lord, like I, we've got our tickets ready, me and another young man, and um, I'm at this place in this transition of the protection test. Are are you going to back us up? Because missionaries are being kidnapped. Uh, It is, uh, thugs are controlling the, uh, the, uh, the byways that we need to go through to get to the southern part of the island. So it's just interesting that I'm living this out here. Didn't even connect that till just now. So often the second major test is in a season of transition is the protection test. Uh, Next part, verse seven, Jesus responded. The scriptures also says you must not test the Lord, your God. So lesson number 12, stay focused on what the word says. Stay focused on the word of God. Jesus, it wasn't enough for Jesus to just quote the Bible once and shut down the voice of the enemy with the stones uh, in the bread, the, the test of provision. But with this test of protection, Jesus, again, uses the word of God as a weapon to silence the enemy. He doesn't relent. Okay. I love this. It says, okay, verse eight, then next the devil took him. So he goes from this test of provision to this test of protection. And then next the devil takes him someplace else. So lesson number 13, don't be surprised if there's again, another sudden scene shift dealing with a whole set of issues. This is what happens in transition. Just when you think you have one thing settled and like, okay, finally, I'm going to enter into my season of breakthrough. I'm going to enter into the promises. There's like one more scene shift. And like, you feel like I'm getting Holy Spirit whiplash here, trying to figure out what the Lord is doing. Just be prepared. We have a model here. We have a picture 
of how to walk through this. So it says the, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Sounds like Daniel three. If you will kneel down and worship me. So it goes from just very base need. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I want to, I want my basic provision to is God going to back me up? Is he going to protect me? Or I'm going to be left high and dry and be just pummeled by the enemy. We've heard crazy stories on the mission field of what, what can happen. And then as though that's not enough, suddenly there's at some point of transition, uh, there's this final test that deals with the issue of power. So you have provision, you have protection. And I think the final one, if he cannot, if he cannot wiggle in through your base human needs, if you pass that test, if he can't get it through like fear, protection has to do with fear. Will you trust God? Then ultimately this, the mask comes off of the enemy. Ultimately what he is after is uh, worship. He wants worship. So this issue, the third test is a test of power, of giving power to the enemy. Or will you stay true to God? Again, just like Daniel three, uh, <clears throat> whether he delivers you or not, you're going to pass this power test. The third and final test, lesson 14, is one dealing with the issue of power. The enemy wants worship. And I it's interesting here. The picture is that he goes from uh, just right there in the wilderness, right there, geographic in that spot, to a little bit higher out to Jerusalem itself. And now it's like all the kingdoms of the world. He's like, uh, as, though, as though he has authority to do that. As though he could really do that. There's so much deception and lies in there. But he gets bigger and bigger with the temptations. In transition, he will blow things up. That's how part, partly you'll know it's the, the enemy. He will so overplay his hand and be dramatic in how this happens. Verse 10, and I'll close up here and we'll do some ministry time. Verse 10, get out of here, Satan. Go home. Go away. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Lesson 15, at some point in the transition, you're going to have to say enough is enough. Get out of here, Satan. Every test is a test of love. God is developing love on the inside of you. He's testing the allegiance of our hearts. At some point, it will be time to kick out the devil and pass the final test. So I'm going to close with really, really good news. Verse 11, then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. The last lesson, 16. So these are 16 lessons the Lord showed. This was, a, this was in, I got this in the prayer room, sitting, listening to worship. I just opened my Bible like, where do you want me today? And he was like, I want to talk to you about how to walk through transition. And just boom, boom, boom. He laid this out. This is, I'm just, these are my journal notes. I'm just sharing from journal, journaling. Verse 11, the devil goes away. Angels come through and take care of Jesus. Lesson 16. 
this season will end and breakthrough will come. This season will end and breakthrough will come. And you will cross over and be in that those green pastures. And I, again, it's Psalm 27. The one thing message is not in a vacuum. It is in a time of trouble and in a time of war. But guess what? God lifts you up and hides you, pavilions you, uh, overshadows you during those things. So this season will come to an end. But it is so key. And I feel like for Jihop, it's going to be so key. And I have no idea. I honestly have no idea who the leaders here are or how this is going to transition. But I feel the fear of the Lord. I feel it's going to be so key how this transition happens. And I feel just based on the word alone, it is so key because I just uh, the test of the enemy will come to try to shut down his main thing is worship, like we're seeing in Daniel chapter 3. The enemy just wants worship. In any place where there's these pockets of light that Tom referred to, he will come, especially in transition, and try to shut down that light. Guys, I've been doing uh, House of Prayer full-time for this is my 20th year, mine and Tom's 20th year, doing this as a ministry in the earth. And I can't tell you how many prayer rooms I've seen open and close because of this transition, this transition lesson. It is so key to wage the good warfare, to fight the enemy, to stick out and pass these tests. And I am going to be laboring in the spirit because I, you know, Tom, Tom's my best friend. So I, as he's had, had, he has an inheritance here. I feel like because of that connection, I have an inheritance in this place. And so I'm going to be, even as I'm laboring for Karen, because we have inheritance in Chicago, I'm going to be laboring for Jihop for this next season, uh, that it goes far beyond what Tom or Karen could have done, and that their, their ceiling becomes your guys' floor, and that this thing just opens up, that the heavens open, and you guys pass the love test. You pass the love test and that this church will embrace and open heavens in ministry to the Lord and fire on the altar that can't be that should never be put out. And so that's what I'm laboring for and praying in this season. Let's all stand together.